We're joined for the morning brief by Scott Reed, CDB political analyst, former advisor to a prime minister. Good to have you, sir. Happy Monday. Oh, it's not a happy Monday. Why sure, not? if you're Taylor Swift oh. or if you're Travis Kelsey, but if you're a lifelong 49ers fan who fell in love with the team in 1979, peaked in 1981, and then had to live through last night, I'm telling you right now, it's all you know, I, I was at a stool and a length of rope last night. I was in such a uh, bleak place. So, okay. I'm getting better. See, I just, I, I maybe, I just root for who's winning, and so, and I like Patrick oh, Mahomes. Just move on. I can't deal with people like you. Good All right. Christ. Can I quickly ask you for a sidebar though on what is this hatred of Taylor Swift on the American right? I mean, I, I was going through Twitter, and there were these people saying, "I will not watch the Super Bowl." Why? Because there's a pop star watching from a box. It's penis envy, man. I mean, what's at the core of all this stuff? I know we're going to talk about Trump. Yeah. There's this fundamentally demographically rooted sense of threat and worry. And it particularly hammers, I hate to say it, but particularly hammers younger white men. And she's a powerful woman who's really successful. And it's just resentment, anxiety. What's happening to my place in the world? She can have what she wants, but I don't get to have what I want. Donald Trump's going to give it back to me. That's what's going to happen. And so I think it's what, what's going on there. I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard to understand. I think that she's got what they want, and they think that it should come to them uh, by birthright, and it ain't because they're not as good as she is, and that makes them feel small and scared. So an Ontario brewery hosts an event for a local liberal candidate who's going to run, and Justin Trudeau shows up, and they post a picture, and now all of a sudden they're getting negative reviews. And you know what? I looked at some of those reviews before a lot of them were taken down, and it was so clear that these were people who had never been to this establishment, and they were writing all about how much they hated the guy who owned it, and it was ridiculous. Look, I worked for a prime minister. Um, anybody, any business gets an opportunity to host a prime minister, any business gets a uh, an opportunity to host a leader of the opposition, that's exciting. You know, like, that's, that's, that's a great thing. You know, it's an honor to have people like that. And you know, if you value the things that we have in Canada, you want to value, uh, you know, those institutions and what they represent. And I, you know, to, so to me, I just I, I think it's a really, really sad reflection on where our politics are at, that they've turned into such a toxic soup that you can't even host one leader or another without it turning into something ugly. And, and I, I shouldn't engage in false equivalency. This is particularly virulent on the right. There is this thing that it's not enough to vote against your opponents, not enough to campaign against your opponent. You, you must hate your opponent. And and I use that word advisedly because that's that's the only way to describe these postings and the protests. And uh, it's unhinged and it's unhealthy. Yeah, well, I'm glad you used the word hate. I mean, I was looking at another picture of a flag that said F. Trudeau. And I get it. A lot of people, a majority now, would like Trudeau not to be the prime minister. But I don't know why you have to hate him. Yeah, but it's not about Trudeau. I mean, it, it, it's become encapsulated in Trudeau, and there may be things about Trudeau's policy agenda, his manner that you dislike, and you hear all that stuff. But across Western democracies, the nature of our politics, particularly our nature of our politics on the right, is that your, your opponent is your enemy. 
and that is someone to be hated and that is someone to be toppled and it leads to uh, violent language it sometimes leads to violent actions and like I say it's it's a very unhealthy thing so sure in our country in this moment it gets directed at Trudeau but it's something more fundamental that's going to be with us in a couple of years when Trudeau isn't probably. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jagmeet Singh putting the Prime Minister on notice, setting a deadline for a pharmacare bill or the NDP is out of their deal. And I keep thinking that'll, okay, then you'll have zero leverage because you're not going to bring this government down and suffer a wipeout. Well, the problem with this deal is that it actually is a... It preserves Parliament for a fixed period of time, which is to the benefit of both the NDP and the Liberals, because there are both desperately behind in the polls. The problem with it is that it marries them both to one another. And so for the NDP, how are they going to make the pivot to campaign against the Liberals at some point after they've been their chief architect and and, and aide? And for the Liberals, they're trapped in the agenda that's being set by the NDP, which I think is too far to the left, too programmatic, too big spending. And that's going to cause them problems. It moves them out of the middle and it leaves a lot of space for Pierre Polyev. If I were the Liberals, I would take the game. I would let the deal fall fall apart. I would say, listen, we have we think the pharmacare is a good idea, but at this moment and this time, with the fiscal challenges we face and the economic problems that confront us, we can't. We're going to focus on core health care. That's our focus. We're not going to do this. And then you just move from confidence vote to confidence vote. So the next budget or the next throne speech, they'll have to see if they can woo, you know, enough support in the House. I, I if I were the Liberals, I'd get out of this deal. And I think in a weird way, it might even be beneficial for them. It allows them to shift back to the middle and define themselves in opposition to the NDP. It's interesting. I'm just thinking of the image of the two of them as conjoined twins. And if we separate them, they're both going to die. Uh, well, that's certainly what people think. But I, I and, and look, I mean, the polls are what the polls are. Chances are the next election, it's going to be uh, a beating and Pierre Polyev will be triumphant. However, I think one of the pre if you try to imagine a scenario, if you're a liberal strategist that gets you out of that outcome, one of the necessary steps is to divorce yourself from the NDP and get back to appealing to middle class voters, the kind who vote all across the GTA as an example. It's hard to do that when you're trapped into this big program big spending agenda of the NDPs. I, I think they gotta take the gamble of getting out of this deal. Meanwhile, the head of NATO is slamming Donald Trump. He's not alone, actually, because Donald Trump said, you know what, if you guys don't pay into your defense, I mean, he didn't say that. He said, pay your dues, but that's because he doesn't, doesn't understand how NATO works. Uh, then Vladimir Putin can do what he wants. That is beyond incendiary. It's beyond insane. Well, there's two things at work here. One is, on the face of it, it's it's a really disturbing move away from what's known as collective security, that we're all in this together, which is at the core of NATO, and that has, until Putin marched on Ukraine, effectively kept peace in Europe for, you know, whatever, 70 years since the end of the World War. So th that's disturbing, and it's been of such immense value, and the idea that you would blithely sort of just like, ah, you know, whatever, I'd let anybody storm in on anybody else, and you're on your own, and okay, fine, yeah, like that's, let's, 
let's just burn down peace and let's allow people and countries to, you know, perish. Great. That's a lovely outcome. But there's something else going on here. And it's we kind of overlook it. It kind of got baked in. I believe fundamentally that Trump is compromised by Putin. I think if you look at his presidency and his candidacy, he has always made decisions that even for him are irrational in terms of his indulgence of Putin and the Russians. Um, I believe they got him. I believe they've got him right by the balls. I believe uh, that dossier is true. Um, I believe that they own him. They bailed him out, the oligarchs. I think he's fundamentally compromised. And that's a dangerous thing. You basically have um, a fifth columnist as your president. I find this story about uh, Morgan Riley um, interesting because it seems to be almost about philosophy. Some people think it's perfectly justifiable to whack a guy on the ice rink and other people say it's outrageous. What do you say? I'm firmly on both sides. I think what Greek did was ridiculous in the context of uh, the game of hockey. Uh, it's a Bush League play. I think that Riley uh, should have given him a, a little uh, wake up. I don't think he should have hit him in the head. I just think you have to I, fundamentally, we know what this does. Um, and I think that he's going to get the book thrown at him and he should. I think we have to take head head violence out of the game. You just gotta. So if he had cross-checked him across the shoulders, whatever, give him a two-game suspension, fine. But when he hits him in the head, it's just one step too far. So I come down weirdly on on, on both sides, sort of the traditionalist view against Greek, but also... Um, I think, I think Riley took it to a place that's dangerous. It's funny because I was reading a column this morning, a sports column, where they referenced a goal in an empty net from 2007 where the guy was criticized because he did it too gently and they thought he was mocking the other team. Yeah, and both things are probably true. I mean, there's a context for this. And, you know, folks who watch the game and certainly guys that play the game know that. Um, so he, he broke an unwritten rule and it was Bush. But... You know, we just we, we we can't be sanguine about people clubbing each other in the head. We know what we know what happens. We know that a bunch of these athletes, hockey football players, find themselves retired at the age of 42. They can't find their keys and they're dribbling applesauce down their chins. It's it's no good. Return them into hamburger helper. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Thank you, man. Scott Reed on the morning brief.